Hello, fellow planeswalkers, and welcome to Into the Ether Vortex. My name's Ninja Boy, your guide into all the different ways you can enjoy Magic the Gathering and how they all come together into something wild, wacky, and a little bit magical. So, by the time this episode comes out, the newest Magic set, Core 2021, uh, will have come out on Magic Arena and will be a week away from when physical cards go on sale. On top of that, uh, Jumpstart, the Smash Up style set uh, where you can combine two 20-card decks to get one 40-card deck of two different themes like nin- like pirate cats or you know unicorn dogs, uh, is coming out in a couple weeks later in July, uh, both in paper and on Magic Arena. Um, as with every set, um, I'm going to go through and try to figure out what cards from the new sets will slot into my existing EDH and Oathbreaker decks, uh, and which ones will inspire brand new decks. Uh, we'll be looking only at cards that have been re- that have been printed for the first time in these sets. Uh, so while there are a lot of juicy reprints, uh, especially in Jumpstart, uh, I'll be ignoring those for now. Um, and just focusing on the brand new cards. Uh, also, one quick note: uh, I did. This is actually uh, not the first episode of this kind I've done. I did one for Ikoria and Cor- and Commander Twenty. Um, you know, a couple months ago, uh, I have yet to fully crack open my box of Ikoria um, since I normally do so playing you know limited draft or sealed with my friends. Uh, obviously, with you know Seltra in place and quarantine in effect, I haven't met up with my friends uh, to do so. Um, so yeah, uh, still haven't gone that. And you know, most of the online retailers also uh, have not have only recently come up online for business again so i haven't been able to order any singles uh, which i wouldn't do until i open my box anyway to you know see what i get uh, and i don't need to reorder it so in any case uh, let's get to it uh, first up, uh, we have the deck that I already did a, a deck tech on in an earlier episode, uh, Hydra Tribal, uh, led by Omnath Logos of Raids. That's the red-green uh, Omnath. Um, so from this, these sets, the first obvious addition uh, on this theme would be Wildwood Scourge. Uh, it's a X in the green Hydra uh, for uh, with a 0, 0. However, it enters the battlefield with X plus 1, plus 1 counter. So, you know, pay 3, get a 2-2, two, two, pay 9, get an 8-8. Eight, eight. Um, the additional text on uh, Wildwood Scourge is that whenever one or more counters uh, are put on another non-hydro creature I control, uh, place a plus one plus one counter on Wildwood Scourge. So, you know, ideally, ideally this would grow over time uh, with, um, you know, from uh, you know non-hydros getting plus one plus one counters. Um, you know, the tricky part here is that that ability to grow is tied to non-hydras, and I don't have a lot of targets in my deck. Um, you know, I, I think the only ones I have are Forgotten Ancient uh, and Skull Muncher, um, and even when that happens, you know, Skull Muncher gets them all in one big, you know, uh, one big fell swoop. Um, that's only going to put one counter on Wildwood Score. So really, the only recurring form of plus one, plus one counters for this to grow is Forgotten Ancient, and, you know, relying on one other card in your 199, you know, 99 deck plus Commander, not exactly the best strategy, so I don't think Wildwood Scourge, unfortunately, is going to make the cut, um, even though it is on theme. Um, you know, another card that's on theme uh, is Invigorating Surge. Uh, this is an instant for two in the green. Uh, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control, then double the number of plus one, plus one counters on that creature. Uh, so I've said in the past that there were a couple cards that I would considered for this deck, mostly on, the, on, on flavor. Um, you know, one of those uh, is Aspect of Hydra. Um, uh, which is just a single green mana for an instant. So another combat trick. Um, cheaper also, but it says target creature gets plus X plus X until end of turn where X is the devotion to green. Um, so, you know, that's going to be one, generally a lower number of, of counters on it. Um, 
you know, especially given how big some of my hydros can get. But two, it's also a temporary boost only for that single turn. Uh, Invigorating Surge, even if it costs more, does make the counters more permanent. Um, you know, there's also Hydra's Growth, which came out in Theros Beyond Death. Um, it's an enchantment aura for two and a green, so the same mana cost. Um, which enchant creature, when Hydra's Growth is, enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on an enchanted creature. And the beginning of my upkeep, double the number of plus one, plus one counters on enchanted creature. So this one is, you know, the, the downside of this compared to Invigorating Surge is that this is a lot more transparent. It's a lot slower. I have to play at sorcery speed, uh, which means the opponent could, you know, two for one me by using a removal to remove my creature and then also uh, fizzle Hydra's growth. Um, and then I also won't get the doubling effect until after um, one turn cycle has gone around, which is generally a bit slow. So I think Invigorating Swords actually might uh, be what I need, especially if there's any kind of, you know, damage-based removal, though I don't think that's super much of a problem with a lot of uh with a lot of my creatures um so who knows if invigorating swords is an interesting one i might actually end up including this one um you know there is a couple card there are a couple cards that are are not uh on flavor for hydras um that that would be able to fit in uh pride malkin um which two and a green for a cat uh two one uh when it enters the battlefield put a, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature i control uh the important rules text here is each creature i control with a plus one plus one counter and it has trample uh, this actually isn't the first time we've seen this effect um you know bramble wood pyrogon uh, which is in my warriors deck uh, has this lines tech for one mana cheaper um and as a as a two two um you know Cerato uh crown ceratoc um is you know one mana more fourth is a three in the green uh for a four three that has this rules text um Twelve red guardian, uh, five five, uh, four in the green, same effect. Um, and then tusk guard captain, uh, two in the green, um, you know, uh, with the same effect for a two three. Um, so you know, I think I don't think I'm gonna put pride malkin in one, partly because of flavor. Um, it's it might go in my cat deck potentially. Um, but um, I, I will admit that you know, if you were playing it, you know, more strategically, having an effect that allows plus one plus one counters to translate the trampling damage, especially on big hydras is super key here um, since a lot of my hydras don't have trample and you know often can get some blocked. Um, Garrick's Uprising uh, is a similar effect. Um, it is an enchantment for two and a green. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, uh, if I control a creature with power four or greater, which I usually will, uh, draw a card. Uh, creature I control have trample. Um, and then whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under my control, draw a card. Um, so one, you know, obviously this, this plays with, with Hydras by giving them trample. Two, most of my Hydras will be big um, because of tramp because, you know, of the, how much mana I'm playing them, and I'm going to be able to replace them, cantrip them with a card. Um, three, uh, Omnath, uh, you know, Locus uh, of Raids creates 5-5 five, five elementals whenever a land enters the battlefield, which is then going to trigger, trigger Garrick's Uprising, and again, they will also have trample as well. So, you know, again, if this were a strictly competitive deck, I think Garrick's Uprising would be a good addition for the deck. Um, that said, he's, this card's probably going to go in a Garrick deck as opposed to my Omnath deck, and I don't like repeating cards between decks, if at all possible, so... Unfortunately, not gonna you know be in here, but I just wanted to mention it. Um, Jumpstart, however, does give us a card that I think I'm going to be including. Um, you know that card. Um, that card comes from uh, I believe it's the um, 
plus one plus one counter uh, theme deck. I forget what the, what the, what the, what the, the theme deck name is, um, but it's Branching Evolution, another two in a green enchantment. Uh, if one or more plus one plus one counters we put on the creature I control, twice that many plus one plus one counters are put on that creature instead. Now, this is uh, pretty big. Um, this is essentially a mini doubling season. Doubling season, uh, I believe, is four in the green. Um, it doubles plus one plus any counter, um, not just plus one plus one counters, though that's usually in this deck where that ends up being. Um, and then it also, but then it also uh, doubles the number of, of tokens, um, which you know there are there's some token synergies, especially with Omnath here. Um, but advancing evolution strictly focuses on the plus one plus one counter, which allows me to get this out effect out quicker, um, which is a pretty big deal. It basically makes my uh, X mana spells you know twice as effective, same as Unbound Flourishing, uh, which happens to have the same converted mana cost. So this is essentially a redundant effect. Um, I definitely am going to be inserting this one if I'm able to pull this for my jumpstart box. Uh, sifting over to red, you know, again, like Pride Malkin, there's a card that's not quite tribal appropriate um, for Hydras, but it, you know, I think I am contemplating adding in Thud and Fling type effects um, to, you know, help my Hydras push through damage. I mean, kind of, that's on theme, if it's still the Hydra doing the damage. Um, you know, this card is Brass Taunter. Uh, it's four in red for a creature goblin. It's indestructible, which is pretty nice. Uh, whenever Brass Taunter deals damage, uh, is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target opponent. Um, and then what I do, uh, the activated ability has is two in a red, tap it, Brass Taunter fights another target creature. Uh, it's a one one. So, you know, this is pretty great because uh, the, the problem with a lot of the fling and thud effects is even if I'm able to ki maybe kill an opponent, one opponent with it, um, you know, through uh, casting thing or fling or casting thud, um, that Hydra is gone. I can't reuse it. Uh, Brass Taunter allows me to recur, repeat this effect um, by having it fight the same Hydra that's presumably pretty large over and over again. Um, the Hydra is you know, going to take one damage. Whoopee, it's not going to die. Um, and so, you know, it's it's fine. And then Brass Taunter, because it's indestructible, uh, it's going to survive um, and then re basically rebound the damage from the Hydra to, you know, whatever um, creature I want to clear out, basically. Um, oh, actually, I just read that. It's actually to another... Oh, yeah. No, it, to, to target opponent. So, you know, it'll, it'll fight my big Hydra, deal that damage to the opponent. Um, life will be great. I think Brass Hunter may actually get it in there. Um, so, yeah. Uh, especially if I take out some of the... some, some, some cards... Um, that that are more elemental themed uh, than than Hydra themed. Um, you know what? What kind of you know? It's kind of appropriate. You know, goblins poking at a at a Hydra and, and seeing what's happened. This definitely wouldn't fit into a high into a um, goblin deck because most of the goblins going to be pretty small. So. Uh, anyway, let's move to the next deck. Uh, so we have a I have a five color warriors deck led by Najila. Um, the deck is pretty tight. I try to fit in as many legendary creatures as possible, um, including Samut, uh, which will be relevant in a little bit. Um, so you know, as many of those as possible. It tends to skew mostly Naya, a little bit of black, very little blue, um, mostly keeping the five colors for Najila's activated ability. Um, it's pretty tight, honestly, and I feel like there's always enough warriors in every deck to make me want to uh, change uh, exactly what I'm talking, what what the deck is, but right now it seems to be mostly a, a bit of a plus one, plus one, plus go wide theme, plus one, plus one counter and go wide theme, with a little bit of trample tribal in there as well. Um, 
that's it. There are a couple good cards uh, from from Jumpstart and from Court Crane Twenty One. I'm excited to slot in, uh, even if I haven't gotten Ikoria or C Twenty cards in there, which there were a lot. I was planning on adding in. Uh, so first up, you know, the legendary creatures. I always try to include as many legendary warriors as possible. Um, we have the third version of Radha. Um, we have Radha, Heart of the Keld. It's a one red and a green for a legendary creature, elf warrior. Uh, as long as it's my turn, Radha, Heart of Keld has first strike. Uh, you may look at the top card of your library at any time, and you may play lands off the top of my library. Uh, for a four red and a green, Radha gets plus X, plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of lands I control, um, and it's a 3-3. Three, three. So this is pretty aggressive, you know. Um, either I can use it to try to, you know, filter through my top of my library to, you know, get through my lands. Um, more realistically, honestly, it's not that synergized with the deck. This definitely fits more in a lands theme deck. Lands theme deck, though. If I'm able to get enough lands out, you know, um, this can get pretty big, especially with first strike attacking. Um, that being said, you know, I think this is just going in for flavor more than anything else. I mean, I already have the first two versions of Radha in the deck. Um, it would kind of be sacrilegious to not include the third at this point based on the way I, I build decks. Um, Okay, uh, Jumpstart also brings another red-green warrior uh, in Nayeth of the Dire Hunt. Uh, so it's a two-green-green for a legendary creature, a human warrior. Uh, whenever one or more creatures I control fight or become blocked, draw a card. And at the beginning of combat on my turn, I may pay two and a hybrid red or green. Uh, if you do uh, double target creature's power until end of turn, that creature must be blocked this combat uh, if able. So what this means uh, is basically, um, you know, Najila swings makes a or warrior swing make a bunch of you know plus one plus one counters, um, you know something has like it, unless the opponent wants to die by a thousand pecks from my tiny little warriors, um, they are going to want to block this. Uh, if they are, if they don't block this. Um, then uh, then they're going to end up getting to death, so they have to block something. At which point I'm going to draw a card. Now I would be nicer if it you know if it drew for each creature being blocked instead of one or more creatures being blocked, but you know, let, uh, you know, beggars can't be choosers, and this is legendary creature, so it's probably going to get in the deck anyway. Um, yeah, so you know that that's that's the two main ones I'm planning on adding in. Um, now that said, there is I I did mention uh, Samut would be relevant. Um, there is a new planeswalker from Amonkhet where uh, Samut is from um, being added to this deck uh, to the to the to you know magic lore. It's Basriket. Um, so just to read Basriket will kick. Real quick, he's a one white white legendary planeswalker, boss type, of course, uh, for three loyalty. Um, his abilities are plus one, put a plus one plus one counter on up to one target creature. It gains indestructible against end of turn. Pretty nice for my plus one plus one synergies and uh, you know for whatever big warriors I have. Uh, minus two. Uh, whenever one or more non-token creatures attack this turn, create that many one one white soldier creature tokens that tapped and attacking. Um, and then you get an emblem with at the beginning of combat on your turn, add a one one white soldier creature token and put a plus one plus one counter on each creature I control. Um, so he, he's pretty good with a go wide deck. There were some other cards relevant to Basri. Um, you know, there is uh, the Planeswalker version, uh, Planeswalker deck version of him, which I'm not going to read, you know, all the details for that. Um, and, you know, there's a vertical cycle of cards, though those tend to sit, fit more in the Knights theme. Um, and frankly speaking, you know, I, I was thinking about adding Basri, but um, one, creating soldiers instead of warriors doesn't really jive with the deck 
So, you know, as nice as it would be to have like a Amonkhet sub theme uh, in here, um, you know, along with some of the other Amonkhet Planeswalker, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, in fact, I may actually end up cutting Samut from the deck, um, even though she is a warrior, um, to make room for other warriors. And then, you know, hopefully down the line, create a Amonkhet uh, tribal deck. Uh, that'd be pretty cool, actually, from a Vorthos perspective. Uh, moving on, uh, moving down the list, we're going kind of in order from you know cards that have the most things I want to add or consider to ones that have at uh, least. Um, we have uh, Grixis Pirates, uh, led by Admiral Beckett Brass. Um, so the, there's a big one here uh, in Cor in Jumpstart, uh, the pirate theme deck. There is Corsair Captain. Uh, it is two and a blue for a human pirate creature, uh, two two power and toughness. Um, when Corsair Captain enters the battlefield, create a treasure token, and then other pirates I control get plus one plus one. So it's essentially a straight up pirate lord um, at three mana. Pretty great. Um, you know, Beckett Brass does this. Um, I believe there's a vehicle that does plus one plus plus one plus oh for all pirates. So um, super great to see. You know, more support for the tribe here um, and you know it also plays in the revel and which is treasure alt win condition um, by giving me more treasure um, you know I also have the option of adding dire fleet warmonger um, it's one black and red for an orc pirate um, 3-3 at the beginning of combat on my turn I may sacrifice another creature if I do dire fleet warmonger gets plus two plus two and gains trample until end of turn um, I'm not sure if it's impactful enough, you know, kind of single creature combat that needs to swing to get in to get value, and then um, I need to sacrifice a creature, and then, you know, it's only, you know, going to be a 5-5 five, five at most um, without any buffs. Um, not super impactful in Commander, so, you know, this is definitely a limited card, I think, more so than anything else. Um, if I were to lean into the treasure theme a little bit more, you know, I could slot in um, Gadrak, the Crown Scourge. Uh, it's two in the red for a legendary creature dragon uh, with flying. Uh, Gadrak, the Crown Scourge, can't attack unless I control four or more artifacts. Um, in the beginning of my end step, create a treasure token for each non-token creature that died this turn. So if I swing in with a bunch of pirates and the bunch of them die, I get a plus one, plus one counter or a treasure token, uh, which works with, you know, the Revel and Riches theme. Uh, that being said, I think with treasures becoming deciduous um, in magic and, you know, they're applying it to more than just um, pirates and especially applying it specifically to dragons, um, I may have to make a rule for when I'm adding treasure cards to the deck to avoid dragon-themed treasure cards um, just because it dilutes the pirate flavor of the deck. Um, so yeah, I think I think that might be my rule moving forward. So really, the main addition here is Corsair Captain, but I just want to mention the other two. Uh, next up, we have Mardu Vampires, uh, led by Edgar Markov. Um, and there are a couple options here also. Um, the biggest one is probably Vito, the Thorn of the Dusk Rose. Um, this is a, a legendary vampire cleric for two and a black. Uh, whenever I gain life, target opponent loses that much life. And then three black and black. Creatures I control gain lifelink until end of turn, and it's a 1-3. Um, okay, so it's a legendary vampire, which is kind of an auto-include for this kind of deck. Um, but the other part is that he's a additional copy of Sanguine Blood, which is the, you know, gain, whenever I gain life, opponents lose that much life. Um, this fits into the minor draining sub-theme I have in the deck, you know, with stuff like uh, like Blood Artist, for, for example. Um, I currently do not run Exquisite Blood, uh, and that's the second half of a infinite combo, you know, Sanguine Blood between Sanguine Blood and Exquisite Blood. Um, you know, uh, what happens is, you know, if, I, if and at any point, you know, I either gain or lose life, uh, or the opponent loses life, one one or the other. Um, that will, you know, then let's say I lose life, right? or the opponent loses life. That will trigger, um, 
you know, exquisite blood. Exquisite blood will mean I gain a life from there, uh, which will trigger sanguine blood, uh, which will then cause the opponent to lose a life, uh, which will then trigger exquisite blood, gain a life, and it'll just loop back and forth between the two effects. Uh, veto is basically a redundant copy of this effect. Um, and, you know, with black having a lot of tutors, uh, as some, you know, podcasts have already said, this is a really easy way to set that combo, especially for flavor if you set, uh, get vampiric tutor um, and insert that into the deck in order to, uh, you know, tutor, tutor it up. Um, that being said, you know, Exquisite Blood is getting reprinted uh, in the Vampire Jump Sources. I know I wasn't going to talk uh, reprints, but, you know, that's just too good to mention. If I pull Exquisite Blood, I'll probably slot it in just to have, like, an, an out. I mean, it's a 10-mana combo. Um, though I guess it's cheaper with Vito. But um, I'm not going to include it unless I'm able to pull it or the price comes down significantly. Um, anyway, in addition to Vito, uh, we have Indulging Patrician. Uh, it's a one white and black uh, for a vampire and noble, uh, using the new noble creature type, for a 1-4 with flying and lifelink. Uh, at the beginning of my end step, if I gained three or more life, the opponent loses three life. Um, you know, gaining three life through various, you know, um, you know, draining effects probably doable in this deck and this is you know uh it's another way to hit the tail if i'm against three players that's essentially opponents losing nine life for every or you know overall nine life loss for three that i gain pretty good pretty good trade um and then uh, i'll also say that silver smoke ghoul uh which is a zombie vampire from m21 uh two in the black um at the beginning of my end step if i gain three or more life again very possible to do in this deck um I return Silver Smoke Gorilla from the graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Uh, it's a 3 1. Um, the important part, though, is that I can pay one and a black to sacrifice Silver Smoke Gorilla uh, to draw a card. So it's really easy for me to get this guy back onto the battlefield and then. Um and then, you know, just constantly be gaining life to, you know, sacrifice him and uh, recur him and draw cards and, and get to my deck quicker to the important pieces. So um, I think Silver Smoke Golem actually is powerful enough to get it into the deck. Okay, uh, another deck I have is Yuriko Nix, uh, Ninjas in the mirror, uh, black and blue. Um, the card I'm most excited for, to add here is Ghost Pull for uh, this is from M21. It's uh, one in the blue for a Spirit Rogue. Um, so when Ghost Pull for becomes untapped, I may pay two. If I do draw a card, um, I often will end up having a lot of mana in this deck. So paying that extra two is pretty good a way to draw this small card. Um, and then when an opponent casts a card from anywhere other than their hand, draw a card. Um, this targets people casting their commanders. Um, if anyone's casting something from exile or from the graveyard, um, or even directly from their library, um, for whatever reason, you know that uh, is going to punish them. I get to draw a card. Um, and then discard a card. Um, Ghostly Pillar can't be blocked this turn, which a two-drop unblockable creature um yes i do have to you know pay something to activate that but because of i'm bouncing a lot of stuff back on my hand with ninjutsu uh, i'm often able to have extra cards in hand i'm going to discard by end of turn anyway so that's not really a big cost and it's a two one uh which you know as long as i can attack unblocked that's really not super relevant um but yeah uh this is a excellent target for ninjutsu it's an you know, excellent way to punish you know to get, to get draw more cards and get through my deck a little bit f- faster so um ghost will for you know even looks like a ninja so super excited for this one um and it is also baron uh Tolarian archmaids um so baron uh is a one blue blue legendary creature human wizard when baron Tolarian archmaids enters the battlefield return up to one target creature or planeswalker uh to its owner's hands so um this works well with my ninja cards i play baron um baron ends up bouncing it you know i didn't do to the creature this turn and i return the creature back to my hand um so i basically get to replay that ninjutsu creature and at the beginning of my end 
second step, if a creature permanent was put into my hand from the battlefield this turn, draw a card. Um, I'm constantly putting creatures back into my back into my hand from the battlefield because that's how I activate an Ninjutsu effect. So I'm going to constantly be drawing drawing cards at the beginning of my end step. Um, this is on a two-two body, not super relevant. I'm not going to be swinging with him a ton, but um, yeah, Baron looks pretty exciting uh, for this deck. Um, I'm going to have to find space to, to slot him in. Uh, next up, Cat Tribal. Um, I already mentioned, um, you know, I already mentioned uh, um, Fried Malkin. Um, I need to double check. I haven't actually checked exactly how many plus one plus one counter themes uh, I have in my Cat Tribal deck, but if I do, um, Fried Malkin would be going in there. Um, the other ones that are super relevant, um, so obviously there's a new Cat Lord, uh, Feline Sovereign, not to be confused with Felidar Sovereign, uh, Tuna Green for a cat. Uh, other cats I control get plus one, plus one, and have protection from dogs. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be running into a lot of dogs, so that's not super relevant, but um, whenever one or more cats I control deal combat damage to a player, destroy up to one target artifact or enchantment that player controls, and it's a 2-3. So swinging out of Player, if it's able to, you know, cat's able to get through, you destroy those soul ring, destroy some problematic enchantment, destroy some problematic equipment. Um, yeah, Feline Sovereign is, you know, just another standard cat lord that's just going to go into the deck, you know, easy peasy. Um, and then there is a flavorful inclusion in Nine Lives. Uh, it's one white and white for an enchantment, hexproof, so it can't be dealt with my with the opponent. Uh, if a source would deal damage to you, prevent that damage and put an incarnation counter on Nine Lives. Uh, when there are nine or more incarnation counters on Nine Lives, exile it. Uh, when Nine Lives and leaves the battlefield, I lose the game. So this is essentially form of the cat. Um, you know, getting the Nine Lives of the cat. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if this is actually going to help or not, just because, uh, you know, I could see myself losing to it more than actually saving me if I'm able to get, you know, be dealt damage at least nine times. Um, but that said, the flavor is just too good to not include. Um, who knows? Maybe I might end up throwing in Solidarity and throwing in, or Solemnity, sorry, uh, which is an enchantment that uh, prevents counters from being placed on permanence. I can actually, does it, does it target um, enchantments? Let me double check that real quick. Um, Solemnity does. Um, yeah, thus cannot put counters on artifacts, creatures, or enchantments, uh, lands. So, you know, Solemnity, it has a cat on the art, so maybe. I have to double check if there are no non-bows with other cats uh, and counters that I have uh, on in the deck. Um, but yeah, um, that is nine lives. Um, next up, Dinosaurs. So Dinosaurs doesn't have a lot going for it. Um, there are two common, uncommon dinosaurs in M21. Unfortunately, they're a little bit too weak uh, to warrant including one can't attack unless I have Creatures power four grade, which is fine, but it's not super powerful to begin with. The other has death touch and gets to be bigger if I have another creature that's big, but again, you know, not exactly what I'm looking to do. Um, there is a rare, not strictly a dinosaur, but it's primal might, uh, X in the green, sorcery. Uh, target creature I control gets plus X plus X until end of turn, and then it fights up to one target creature I don't control. Um, and then the art is of a shaman channeling the power of Gisoth, which is the 12 12 elder dinosaur. Um, uh, it's not like this, uh, Galta. Um, so I think this is pretty good, actually. It's it's going to fight, uh, so that's essentially removal. Uh, my creature's already big, and I can just make them bigger, especially, you know, before combat, especially if they're a trampling creature. Uh, remove their, you know, worst, their biggest blocker or their worst blocker, or swing through. Um, and that also triggers Invades, especially if I put it onto a, a creature with Invades, it's going to trigger Fight again. Um, so that's super great. Um, yeah, I think Primal Might will be, will be slot making its way into my deck somehow. 
Uh, finally, uh, Morphoke, um, not super exciting inclusion, but there is a Morphoke rogue called a uh, Library Larcenist, two and a blue for a one two. Uh, whenever it attacks, draw a card. So a one two that needs to attack, draw a card. I don't think it's going to survive attacking past the first time. Um, so I'm not super excited for Lar Library Larcenist. Um, if it can survive, that'd be great. But I mean, there's no evasion. There's no, you know protection for it or whatever so not likely to make the deck i'll have to double check the exact list to see if there's an even worse merfolk i'm somehow including um but I'm, if i'm able to get it to work in drawing additional cards each combat set that's not bad okay so those are all the decks i currently have built in deck boxes all sleeved up um i do have other decks i'm retooling or have a concept firm that are going to get additions i'm not going to read out the rules text for every card i'm already about you know 27 ish minutes in 28 minutes um so i'm going to you know not read all the details for all the cards going into these decks um i'm just going to kind of read out the names and and how they relate and hopefully the names will, will determine help you see how it's clear they fit in the theme um, I'm, I, like I said in my last episode of this kind, I am working on retooling my Sea Monsters decks. Um, one is going to be a more whelming wave, you know, Leviathan, Serpents, Octopus, Krakens. Um, and then there's also other creatures under the sea that's going to add in the new Sarks, um, as well as fishes, whales, whatever other, you know, tribes that are under the sea that don't really fit into the whelming wave category. Um, between these two decks, we have a Pursued Whale, Spine Megalodon, Tolarian Kraken, and Waker of Waves coming into the deck as, you know, generally more giant blue control finishers. Um... I had a Bant deck that's Scooby-Doo. Um, that's basically food tokens, uh, clue tokens, and Boy and His Dog theme cards like Pier and Toothy, Tulsimu and Voha, Mo and Jang Yanggu, um, and maybe the Bonders for my choreo. I haven't actually outslotted those in yet. Um, with the Arada changing all hounds to dogs, um, and it seems most of the dogs that Wizards are going in kind of are with the you know good boy dog archetype um i may maybe include the dog theme in here or maybe i maybe i might will strictly include only people who have like a boy and his dog relationship um but that said you know there are the dog theme i don't think there's a there's a standalone dog theme yet um there is rin and seri which is that uh dog cat tribal that biobox promo that has both but I already have a cat tribal. I don't really want to dilute it with dogs. Um, so I'm probably going to leave it as cat only. And I think dogs, I'll just wait until it gets a little bit more. That said, if I were to include dogs in here, um, you know, there's Pack Leader, Rambunctious Mutt, Selfless Savior, Supply Runners, Fleece the Dogs, and Trusty Retriever. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how that works out. Um, I talked last last time about a Mardu Hate Bear Angel deck. That's my way of retooling my Angel deck to have a little bit of a lower curve and and stall out until I can get the big angels in there. Not a lot going on in there. Um, there is a card called Speak of the Heavens, which is a one drop human that if I have at least forty seven life in Commander, um, you know I I'm able to generate four four angels per turn or at least on my turn. Um, I don't think this deck is especially set up to gain some life. I double check that, um, so it may not make the cut. But you know, having more early drops doesn't hurt. Um, my Knights Equipment Tribal deck, um, I'm tinkering with, has a few additions. Um, as I mentioned before, Basri has a rare called Basri's Lieutenant, um, and Liliana also has a vertical cycle um, of cards with her rare being Liliana Standard Bearer. Both are knights. Uh, both have some utility. Basri generates more. Knights over time, I have to double check if there's a plus one, plus one counter theme in my deck. Uh, and then Liliana's uh, Knight will draw me cards as creatures die. 
Um, Valorous Steed is also a unicorn that comes with a 2-2 knight token. So a little bit underpowered. Probably that wouldn't make the deck anyway. Um, though, who knows? Maybe I might throw in... No, eh, I might throw in unicorns in there. But then then again, the unicorn rare is red-green and doesn't... White-green and doesn't fit the theme. So, you know, disregard the last five seconds. Um, I have a Demon Tribal deck led by Kirik. Um, the only major this I'm thinking of is Archfiend's Vessel, a one-drop human that if it's cast from the graveyard, I can summon a 5-5 Demon. Um, you know, having a low drop in a Demon deck is pretty good, though I don't know if there's any actual graveyard recursion in my in my deck either that my deck list I'm planning on, so that's to be determined. Um, I have a, a deck for Mono Green Legendary, that's basically all the generic, powerful green mo- legendary creatures. Um, Joel Rail, um, I'm not going to try to, Mon Vuli Recluse, I think, um, is a green, Mono Green Legendary from Core 2021, so that would just slot in just because. Um, also, shout out to Azusa, um, getting me printed in here. Um, yeah, uh, I have a Omnath Locus of the Royal Elementals deck I'm planning in Tamer Colors. Um, there's the rare Stormwing Entity that kind of relies on, uh, on instant and sorceries to become a little bit cheaper um, as a flying threat. And then there's also Leafkin Avenger, um, which is ramp in red and green. Um, I have a Jund Sapperlings deck led by Pross. Um, two cards here. Uh, one is Fungal Rebirth, which uh, recurs stuff from the graveyard if something died and makes more Sapperlings, which stuff is always dying in Sapperlings decks. Um, and there's also Sporeweb Reaver, uh, which is a spider that generates uh, Sapperlings if it gets damaged. Um, that slots also into Spider Tribal deck. Um, Sacrogeist is an M21 card that's definitely going to go into Spirits. Um, goblins get a bunch of new stuff. Um, there's Conspicuous Snoop, which helps, you know, look at stuff top of the library and cast activated abilities. And I think cast Goblin cards, I'm not entirely, I forget exactly. I don't have it pulled up in front of me. Uh, Goblin Wizardry just makes more Goblins so they can get bigger if I cast non-creature spells, which a lot of the spells in Goblins actually might be non-creature. Um, and then there's a potential new commander in Muxus Goblin Grandee from Jumpstart. And that looks super powerful, actually. Um... You know, and then there are also a number of tribes that got some support in Jumpstart that I'm looking to maybe build a deck for. Uh, these include, you know, as I mentioned before, spirits, uh, goblins, rogues, dogs, unicorns, um, flying and or bird tribal, mill tribal, especially with that new mono blue mill deck, uh, aka persistent petitioners dot dec. Um, Sphinx Tribal, Devil Tribal, Minotaur Tribal, Elf Tribal, and Wall Tribal, which I've been thinking about for a long time. I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, I also want to call it Shrine Tribal. So we got a, a new cycle of five shrines plus a uh, five color shrine. Um, and so, you know, this has already been done to death online. It's a bunch of Cisse Weatherlight Captain decks that are five color legendary tribal. Um, but I mean, that said, that's such a meme deck. I definitely kind of want to pull it off. Um, I'm not sure what my unique spin on it. You know, obviously the uh, 10 shrines plus the one. Um, Plus the legendary one, maybe I might move my gates out of here into this one. Um, I'm I'm playing around. Maybe I might throw it into Kenrith. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, anyway, uh, moving over to Oathbreaker. So you know I do have a at one point wh- dead white planeswalkers text um, because Gideon is dead and Elspeth was dead, but it's no longer dead. Um, that doesn't get anything new, but. My Chandra deck does get new stuff. Um, we not only have the main set Chandra and the vertical cycle of Chandra cards that are flavored for them, uh, we also have the Planeswalker deck Chandra, uh, along with the Carol Keep Disciples from the Planeswalker deck, which pings Sweet Pill whenever a Chandra activates their ability. Um, and then there's also Chandra has her signature spellbook coming out. Um, you know, I believe later this week or today, actually. Um, and so, you know, I'm looking to get a bunch of new inclusions with a fancy new Fiery Flame. 
for fiery frame, flamey frame. Yeah. Um, for decks I'm planning on building, um, Liliana obviously gets new additions from the main set as well as Planeswalker decks, as does uh, my Garrick slash Vivian, you know, creature deck um, or Planeswalker tribal deck. Um, Vasca Death Touch actually gets a new card in Hooded Blightfang, which is a snake that rewards other Death Touchers from attacking. And it's also a Golgari themed, uh, you know, Twin Blade Assassin, which is the uh, uncommon signpost card for Golgari in this draft set. Um, I'm, I have to look at it a little bit more closely. Um, there are also probably enough Teferis and Teferi-related cards, such as Nyambi, the, the white-blue legendary creature, um, that can probably create a Teferi tribal uh, Oathbreaker deck. Um, though not so I want to, since I don't want to traumatize people after uh, the PTSD from having the various last few Teferis in standard. Um, aside from that, you know the other big thing worth mentioning from these two sets are the new Thriving Lands from Jumpstart. Um, these are awesome mana fixers for any three plus color deck. Uh, most of mine end up being three colors, so that's definitely good for me, um, especially if I can do it in cycles. Um, there may be some memory issues about which secondary color I choose, um, but hopefully it won't be too bad. Um, you know, in addition to you know the Thriving Lands, we also have the various Jumpstart specific basic lands, um, as well as the Planeswalker Showcase lands. Um, the Planeswalker Showcase lands, I already can tell. I'm going to want to uh, update uh, my Sandra deck to have the right lands. Um, now, while I could say I'm going to be ambitious and for my ED8 stacks, especially for the appropriate tribes, going to, you know, add the appropriate lands to the, to the, to the deck, I find it's going to be a pain just because, you know, a lot of these, especially the ones I really want, like, you know, say, a mill deck, we're going to be one in every 121. So the prices for these are going to be really expensive for my tastes. Um, I might instead of just opt to, you know, try to collect a full set of the 40 basic lands um, from um, the 40 basic lands from uh, Jumpstart and put it into my binder. So yay, more collecting. Um, in any case, uh, what decks or cards from M21 and Jumpstart are you excited to put into your deck? Uh, which ones are you excited to brew around? Um, let me know uh, at Twitter, at EtherVortexPod, or at email at IntoTheEtherVortex at gmail.com. Um, this casting of this pod is slowly coming to its resolution. Uh, you can find Into the Ether Vortex on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Uh, you can leave a review at any of those product store, podcast stores or on podchaser.com. Uh, links in the show notes. Uh, my architect uh, with all of my deck lists is linked in under the username NinjaBoy, Boy with an I. I'll also link it down in the show notes. I also stream Magic Arena on Friday nights at NinjaBoy333 on Twitch. Um, I'm definitely going to be jamming some M21 Limited tonight uh, with the set releasing. Um, the intro and outro music uh, is provided by Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Uh, I cast pod every second and fourth Friday of the month. Uh, but until next time, may your lands be plentiful, but not too plentiful. Bye, guys. Uh-huh.